It's our job to tell better stories. And always remember, it's the risk takers that are rewarded. People are sick and tired of being marketed to, and they're sick and tired of being sold. The single biggest story today in sales and marketing is how our customers are buying different Hey everyone and welcome to the Growth of Podcast brought to you by growth marketing agency Advanced B2B. It's your host here Edward Ford and joining us today on the show is Kristen Bryant who works in partnerships, production and brand marketing at Wistia. Now if you work in SaaS you've definitely seen Scott Brinker's Martech 5000 super graphic and it's led people to declare that we've reached peak SaaS and that companies now need to compete on brand in order to stay relevant in the market and to stay on that infographic. But how can you build a brand people love? Why is the future of B2B content marketing episodic binge-worthy shows like you'd find on Netflix or HBO? How do B2B SaaS companies do marketing like a media company and distribute their content like NBC? And how can you get people to listen to your B2B podcast in the shower? Well, the answer to all these questions lies in Brand Affinity and the Brand Affinity Marketing Playbook which is exactly what Kristen talks to us about today. So here we go. It's episode number 43 of the Growth Hub podcast with Kristen Bryant of Wistia. Welcome to another episode of the Growth Hub podcast. And it's my pleasure to welcome Kristen Bryant to the show who works in partnerships, production and brand marketing at Wistia. So Kristen, thank you so much for joining us today here on the Growth Hub podcast. Thank you for having me, Edward. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, I'm super excited you're here on the show. And today we are talking all about brand, brand marketing, and brand affinity. But I think the term brand can mean different things to different people. So to start, what does brand really mean and, and what is brand marketing all about? For me, brand is really about how people perceive you and your company or business. And I think brand marketing is all of the marketing efforts that you're doing to impact that perception. At Wistia, we talk a lot about building brand affinity, so really not just about brand awareness where people are finding out about your brand, but really those activities that make people care more about your brand, the things that make people love your brand even more. And I think that that comes from the product and the quality of your product, but marketing has an outsized impact in the way that you can drive uh, love for the company, right? Um, so I think that that's really what is exciting to talk about uh, from Wistia's perspective is how can we mainly uh, use video content to drive brand affinity and what needs to be the features or the strategy behind that content so that people actually like you more or care about you more. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we're going to dig into brand affinity in more detail and what you're doing at Wistia in terms of video later on. But I think following from this first question, I'd love to ask, why do all B2B SaaS companies at the current state we're in really need to get serious about investing in and building a strong brand? Yes. So really it comes down to differentiation in the market. I think that right now we're all in an uber competitive space where people are cropping up and building software that competes with yours um, virtually every day, right? I think that I've I've been to a number of marketing conferences this year where people put up that uh, slide where there's all these different tools that overlap and integrate with each other. And so from a product perspective, differentiation is becoming more and more difficult. And it's so convenient to switch between products now, you know, whole teams will help you kind of migrate 
from one platform to a competitor platform very quickly. And so you have to care about brand or, or investing in brand is a key way that you can actually uh, differentiate your product and your services. And I think that it matters more now just because the landscape is so competitive. It's why am I choosing between choice A and choice B? It could be because choice A is the better product, but if choice B comes along with a good enough product and it's cheaper or it's right in front of me, then I'm probably going to switch, right? And so unless choice A has a brand that I feel very attached to or that I kind of feel a personal connection to, it becomes uh, a little bit less difficult for, uh, or it becomes harder for me to want to switch at that point in time. So I definitely think that differentiation is key and that brand can be a key driver of differentiation in a crowded marketplace. Right, absolutely. And we can't do an episode on brand marketing without referencing Scott Brinker's classic MarTech 5000 super graphics. Yes. So great, great <laughs> you got that in. Um, but I know, at Wistia, you're really big on brand and you spoke earlier about brand affinity and you yourselves are advocates of that. So what is brand affinity marketing specifically? Brand affinity marketing is an approach to marketing that focuses on creating longer form content that really resonates with an audience and brings people into your universe to make them care about you. So it's it's the content that really drives a perception or an increase in um, affinity and love for a brand. Oftentimes we talk about this from longer form video series, but a number of companies I think are building brand affinity through podcasts and uh, books, any type of longer form content that you might be making. Uh, so brand affinity marketing is really uh, captures all of those marketing activities and all of that content that you're creating with the sole purpose of uh, really driving a love for your brand. Yeah, that's awesome. And I know that you also wrote the playbook on brand affinity. So can we dig a little deeper into this? And, and can you tell us like what brand affinity marketing actually entails and talk us through those steps of how that translates into actionable marketing initiatives? Absolutely. So I, I think a key part of the brand affinity marketing playbook was really starting with who you're building content for, who you're creating content for. And we refer to that as a niche. It's not a new word. Uh, <laughs> we have had a lot of back and forths about whether or not it's pronounced niche or niche. You know, <laughs> pick your poison on that one. Uh, but the first step is really understanding your audience. I think that as a SaaS company, we have the benefit of all of the years of data that we've collected over our, of our users, we have all this information about what you know blog posts and videos have performed well in a disconnected way. But I think that when you really start narrowing in on what your target audience cares about and what the challenges are that uh, they face, you're able to really have a better understanding of the niche that you can create content for. And that niche is broader than the people who might be your target audience to actually buy your product, right? These are people that have maybe eventually might buy your product, but it could be people that refer people to buy your product. It could be people who just happen to um, be in a space that you are credible to talk about, right? So there are plenty of folks who are interested in creativity and business who will never buy Wistia as a product, but are squarely a part of our niche that we're building content for. Um, so I think the first step there is really understanding an audience and figuring out a niche 
and what their challenges are, what that in, those insights are from that particular group of people, that you can create content that will appeal to them. Uh, the second part of, of this is really thinking about the content itself. And we really like to focus on what we call binge-worthy content. And binge-worthy content is, you know, this concept of content being entertaining. I like to talk about how, you know, most people, when they start thinking about videos that are going to go on their business website, you know, what comes to mind? It's that product video, or maybe it's the culture video about your company. And that's all great, but it's very self-referential. And if I don't care about your product, or I'm not ready to care about your product yet, um, I'm not going to spend 15 minutes wa watching the uh, product video, right? Uh, but I could spend 15 minutes um, listening to you talk about some challenge that I'm interested in. Um, and so the second part of the playbook is really focused on how do you create that kind of content? How do you understand, because you understand your audience, you start to develop content that appeals to them on a broader way and is something that they want to engage with for multiple minutes at a time, maybe multiple episodes of a show or multiple episodes of a podcast. So that's really how we think about like the second step of the playbook is what is that content that you're making? And then the next kind of step we talk about is how you market that content. And a lot of our insights about how you should best market the content that we're talking about, we take from the media industry. And so we like to call it marketing like a media company, but it's a simple fact that as uh, traditional content marketers, we are not usually thinking about all the ways to distribute content in the way that someone like an NBC or Netflix might be thinking about distributing content. They are trying to drive audience engagement. They are trying to grow their audience as opposed to, I think traditionally, we really think about content as a means to acquire customers. And so this is kind of breaking that mold. It's about promoting content. It's about promoting episodes of your show or episodes of your podcast as a means to bring people into your fold, as opposed to thinking that every single person that gives you their email to subscribe to a podcast should be a lead. That, that is definitely not the case, right? And the ways that we distribute the content should be different because the ultimate goal of the content of a long form series is different than a blog post um, or an ebook or um, you know, any other type of marketing that we might have done in the past. And then the last step of that kind of after you've taken the time to really think uh, critically about how to distribute your content instead of marketing a product, uh, the last part is really about measuring and, and the metrics for success. And we like to focus on things that, um, and metrics that uh, imply uh, resonance and not just reach. So I think that particularly with video and social video and these kind of flash in the pan, three seconds that measure an engaged viewer, whatever that means, right? That that is not actually uh, an indicator of the depth of love or care about the content. It doesn't necessarily tell you that those people who are viewing your video have any intent of viewing another video or any intent of kind of getting plugged into the community that you're building. And so the last step of our playbook is really focused on how you measure things that matter uh, in terms of impacting brand affinity rather than just awareness broadly. And that's really the playbook. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I think this is a great framework. And for the record, as a European, I'm 100% behind the pronunciation niche. So I think you're oh, the, 
great to hear. And I, I think, you know, you touched on, on this during your answer, but when marketers, when we think about content marketing, we often default to blog posts or top of funnel content to support acquisition uh, during the awareness stage. But you uh, at Wistia decided to start a marketing talk show called Brandwagon that uh, features the sprucing up of an old Volvo station wagon, among many other things. So let's dig into this case study specifically. So why did you decide to create a marketing talk show? And can you tell us about how Brandwagon came to be? Absolutely. So we decided to make a marketing talk show because our CEO, Chris Savage, was so excited about all the things that he was seeing in the world of brand marketing. And, you know, in order to kind of have the space to do brand wagon, what I will first talk about is um, our original docu-series that's called 110 100, which is a project that we did uh, and released about this time last year. And 110 100 was uh, a three-part docu-series that was really focused on this idea that creativity is not constrained by budgets. And we made, um, we collaborated with a company called Sandwich Video out in Los Angeles to talk about, um, or to try to make videos at three different price points, a $1,000 ad, a $10,000 ad, and a $100,000 ad. And that was an incredible uh, brand risk for us because we hadn't made any really long form content before. Um, we had been doing a lot of videos around kind of do it yourself, uh, how to make videos on a budget. I mean, that's the bread and butter of our content marketing strategy um, up until last year. And so we were able to, um, and really, you know, at the advice and passion of our creative director, Dan Mills, and our head of production, Chris Levine, uh, put together a docu-series on those topics that were, again, really in our wheelhouse. And the success of 110 100 gave us the space to explore another long-form series. And as we thought about, you know, what else do we have expertise in? What else are you know, the topics that people get excited to talk to Wistia about, brand marketing was one of them. And as I mentioned, Chris Savage was, you know, talking to a lot of his colleagues and peers about changes in brand marketing. At the same time, our marketing team is experiencing these struggles where, you know, the rising cost of customer acquisition is not, uh, is not a secret. <laughs> uh, digital advertising and SEO is, is challenging. And so we're seeing all these people in the marketplace try to do uh, brand marketing differently. And so we wanted to have a place to have that discussion and to facilitate that discussion. And so from that desire, Brandwagon was born. And we were very intentional about the kind of type of show that we wanted to do, uh, the production quality and the kind of documentary approach to 110 100 was fantastic and incredibly cinematic, but it, it isn't the same level of um, attainability, I think, for most of our uh, customers who are on you know, one or two person video teams. You're not going to stop all of your business as usual to fly out to LA to make a, to make a show. We don't want you to think that you have to do that to make this type of series. Um, and so we were very intentional about making a show that has a really great story and production line, but also is really focused on empowering marketers to do this type of brand marketing, right? And uh, pulling insights from some of the leaders in the space, the people who are really doing this well, and the other people who have incredible insights over their careers of being entrepreneurs or marketers, and bringing them together with a little bit of fun and a little bit of uh, DIY uh, updating of a, a station wagon a little. Um, 
remodel is never uh, a bad thing, I think. And so that's kind of how Brandwagon was born. I know it's a, a roundabout thing, but uh, we were excited about the topic. We knew that we could have some resonance for people who were looking for it. And I think that the stars just kind of aligned to make it happen. Yeah, it's great to hear the story behind how it came to be. And have to add 110, 100 was, was amazing as Brand Ragon was. But I think following on from this, as marketers, we've typically categorized content to be top of funnel, middle of funnel or bottom of funnel. So where does an episodic talk show like Brandwagon and other brand affinity content plays actually fit into this framework? So recently I've been really compelled to draw a Venn diagram where one circle is content, the other circle is product. And the overlap is all the people who are both engaging with your content and your product. I think that your traditional marketing funnel pulls is basically you could draw it on its side pulling people from content into that overlap where they're interested in both your content and your product. But what I think is really cool about this is that it actually sits outside of that traditional funnel or outside of that Venn diagram. So if you're still with me and you're still visualizing this Venn diagram of content product in between, if you have an arrow that's pointing above where there are people who are inside of your product recommending your content to people. And there are also people who are engaging with your content in recommending the product to other people. And those people might never buy your product. This is that type of content that's gonna lead to that outcome. This is the type of content that's gonna get people talking about you and referring people to your product who are not necessarily users. And so, you know, I'm not, I, we always need to make sure that people who hear us talking about brand affinity marketing don't think that this approach to marketing replaces traditional growth funnel performance marketing. It's absolutely a part of it, right? That funnel from content into product still exists and there's still content that's going to drive that conversion. But this content is outside of that. This content is um, something that's going to just get people talking about you. It's going to increase um, people's willingness to be an advocate for you. And when they're an advocate, yes, you might think that at the end point, if you're an ultimate advocate of something, you're also a user of it. But that's not always the case. When I think about brands that I love, and uh, it's not that I'm constantly purchase, purchasing items from them, right? It's that if I hear that someone has a need for something that I love, then I'm going to recommend that I know the best solution for you, even if I'm not the one that's going to buy it today. And so this, this content, I think, enables that exchange way more than um, kind of traditional funnel content marketing does. Yeah, right. And I love the concept of outside of funnel content. So it's the future of B2B content marketing, this episodic binge-worthy content or shows like you find on Netflix, HBO, or YouTube, for example. I believe so. I think that as people, as people want to consume content on their own terms, people also want to be entertained and people's expectations of the level of content that they're going to consume has elevated, right? And, and it's for better or for worse, right? Just in the way that we all now have a different eye towards photos because of Instagram, you know, I look at photos now and I think that some of them are bad. I'm not a photographer. I'm in no way a professional. It's just that what I'm constantly exposed to is these beautifully filtered photos on a regular basis. And I think that the same thing is happening in the world of content 
where it's not enough to just make uh, what we were making a while ago because consumer expectations have changed. They want brands to be authentic. They want um, brands to kind of speak to them in a way that feels human and not as as stodgy oftentimes. And so I think that with that change, it's only moving in a direction where you want to be a part of that content conversation with folks uh, on a pretty consistent basis. And so what that's gonna require uh, for B2B marketers is to be in that space. And I think it's this type of binge-worthy content that enables you to be in that space and actually compete, right? I think it also extends the points in time where you can be in front of people. I'm never uh, in my living room thinking, you know what I want to do? I want to pull up a product video on my, on my TV. That's never something people do. Uh, <laughs> but when I, when I sit down, I watch an episode from, uh, for, of Brandwagon. I'm biased, so yes. Have I watched an episode of, um, oh gosh, why did it just slip my mind? Oh man. Oh, forget about it. I, but you know, like, have I have I watched episodes of of shows that were made by businesses on my TV? I absolutely have. Have I listened to them in the shower? I have. Like, I've listened to business <laughs> podcasts in the shower. I don't get that level of access when I write a blog post. You know, um, that's you know, you're you're for the most part, at least if you're like me, you're reading blog posts during business hours because you really associate it with your, your role at work. Um, but you know, with podcasts and with these video shows, I think we have the opportunity to reach people in many more places, um, and on their terms. Yeah, that's amazing. And I have to say, if anyone has listened to the growth of podcast whilst in the shower, I would love for them to DM me and, and I'll definitely send you some, <laughs> some cool swag. Cause I think that's amazing. Um, Edward, I'm telling you they're out there. I know. Yeah, there has to be. If it's you, hit me up and, and I'll definitely connect <laughs> you with the swag because I think that's the coolest place anyone's ever listened to a business podcast, The Shower. So, But kind of following on from, from this discussion and, and thinking about this type of content. So if you're a small team with limited budget and resources, how can you go about creating this type of big brand affinity content? I think that a great place for people to start, and honestly, this is a, a back and forth uh, at Wistia, you know, we always want people, we think that the best way to build brand affinity is through long form video series. But I think that a good place to start is with interview, um, with um, podcast. And I would encourage people to think about podcasts that might not be interview shows, um, because I do think that people think that they're easier to pull off than they are, or it's the only type of podcast that you might listen to. And so that might be exactly where your mind goes. Um, but I do think that if you start with a podcast, um, it's a little bit lower of a lift, quite frankly, um, than a video show, but it still can have that narrative power. And I think that, you know, much like you have, if you're intentional about the stories that you want to tell and intentional about the people that you want to feature on your podcast, then that can be an incredible way to, to reach people. I think that if you're, if you want to skip the podcast, which of course we at Wistia would encourage you to do and just kind of go all in on a video show. Again, I would, I would encourage you to think very deeply about the audience and an insight that would help, uh, that would help them. You know, what is the content that you can make that is going to resonate with people who are, who are watching the show? 
And I think that there are ways to do that on a low budget. I think that there are ways to do it in a way that is very scalable, um, you know, completely shooting it in your office. I'm thinking about the show Marketing Unbox that the company Zayas does, where they are, um, you know, they order, they order things in, whether it's, you know, from Glossier, um, the, the cosmetic company, they order something in from them. They kind of give some type of feedback on what their um, marketing approach has been, whether that's the emails, whether or not they had cart abandonment um, that was showing or, you know, how delightful the box and packaging is in real life. And just from doing that, you know, they're an e-commerce, they, they sell to e-commerce businesses. That's what their own software is, but they're able to really like engage people who aren't e-commerce people. Like I don't run uh, an e-commerce business, but I'm watching the show. Right. And they do all of that in their office with two people who work there. Um, and the cost of entry is really the camera and the light and the stuff that they're ordering online. And then I think the coolest part about this is they then give the stuff that they've ordered out to their subscribers. Every, you know, every time they have stuff, they, you have a chance to win it as a subscriber to the pot, the, to the show. Um, and so I think that there are ways to really craft a show um, and do it on a low budget. You just have to be thoughtful and you have to be, again, intentional about the impact you want that show to have. Yeah, I love it. Great advice. And of course, I think the question everyone asks when talking about brand, and that is, how do you then measure the success of your brand and brand affinity efforts? Yeah, I mean, I think that for me, when we think about metric, when we think about measuring brand, I often ask whether or not people are currently measuring brand. Uh, <laughs> and this is, this is a kind of a hot topic because I think oftentimes people are measuring or uh, using more performance marketing metrics um, that don't measure brand at all. And then they want to use those same metrics to measure a brand marketing effort. And uh, so what I would encourage you to do is actually say like, independent of whether or not we make a show, how are we measuring the impact of our brand now? And I think that many people are doing that, uh, Wistia included, with you know, uh, search volume, branded keywords, uh, brand, non-branded search. Uh, there's time spent with brand. So that might be um, the amount of content that's consumed in your videos. It could be the amount of time that's spent on your web pages, on your website. Um, and also, I think that another one that's harder to track is, again, referrals, word of mouth. Um, there's also, you know, things like NPS that you can measure uh, whether or not people are having a good brand experience with you. And, uh, and so I just wonder sometimes when people ask about these metrics, if you're measuring brand at all today, I think you should start measuring your brand regardless of what your brand marketing efforts are so that you can then say that this had an impact. Uh, because I think a challenge, if you launch this show and you think that this brand marketing show is going to impact your performance metrics, it's not, you know, at least not in the short term. I think that there are things like churn and um, customer retention that people have seen uh, change in the long term. Uh, but the reality of it is you have to measure them with, you have to measure these things differently uh, because you have to measure the impact of your brand, whether or not your brand is uh, really driving uh, affinity and connection versus, you know, are you converting into users? Yeah, awesome. Well, this was super, super good. And I think we could now move on to our 
closing questions and our fast five challenge. So I will ask you five questions to wrap things up and all you need to do is answer as quickly as possible. So Kristen, are you ready? I'm not ready, Edward. I'm <laughs> never ready for the rapid fire. I just, I, uh, okay. I'm going to try, I'm going to try my best. <laughs> cool. So the first question is, what's the one book you would recommend others to read? Uh, I would say uh, Year of Yes by Shonda Rhimes. Uh, this is a book that Shonda Rhimes, a creator of um, Grey's Anatomy, Scandal, you know, TGIT on ABC, who now has left and taken an undisclosed amount of million dollar deal with millions of dollar deal with Netflix to make content there. Uh, she wrote a book about how she used to always say no. Um, and then for a year she said yes to everything and how it changed her perspective on life. And so um, I, I took a lot away from it just in terms of being willing and uh, to, to not get stuck in, in a certain way of thinking about things or closing yourself off um, to kind of the status quo and how you can really be adventurous and take, take risk. Uh, so I would definitely recommend, I think it's called Year of Yes, uh, but it's by Shonda Rhimes. Awesome. Second question, a SaaS company you love and why? I love Slack. Um, <laughs> I, I think that it's a great, it's just a great tool. I think that it's changed the way that we work um, for better or for worse. Uh, and they also have a really cool office. I've been to their headquarters out in uh, uh, San Francisco and they, I, I went for a happy hour and they, they take an eye to design and think about uh, people's experience with their brand, like through everything, even at happy hour where we got, you know, these journals and programs and stickers that are really well designed and really cool um, to actually having a tool that is very helpful and, and awesome to use on a daily basis. So I'd say Slack. Awesome. Third question, best place to read about marketing online? I really love the Wistia blog, very biased. <laughs> but I, I, that is, I, I don't write a lot of blog content, uh, but our content team does, and they do a great job of sharing when there's new uh, things coming out. And I found that we, you know, we try to highlight different customers there. Um, I would say that, and also digitalmarketer.com has some pretty good uh, blog content. And I've also been reading a lot of the blog content on Marketing Showrunners, uh, which is run by a guy named Jay Kunzo, who's really been doing a lot to create a community of people who are making long, uh, long form content. So there's some really cool articles on there as well. Yeah, good recommendations there. Uh, fourth question, most important growth metric. I would say time on site. I say that because in a world where everything is really geared towards uh, vanity metrics like views and uh, you know visits, the actual time that people are spending with your brand is more indicative of a desire to purchase, I think, but even a desire to kind of stay in the loop. Um, and I think that only as we spend time, like relationships take time to build. And so if you don't spend time with people, then you're never going to build a relationship. And so I think that as a company, if you're spending time or you care about augmenting the time spent with your brand, time spent on site, then that's really what's going to grow your business because you're really developing relationships with customers and prospects in that way. Yeah, that's amazing. I never actually thought about that metric from that perspective. So yeah, that's great to hear. And then finally, the fifth question, what would be your best piece of advice for fellow marketers? Be willing to take a risk. 
I think that, you know, it's still for the most part pretty early days with, uh, you know, brand affinity marketing and making long form binge worthy content. Um, and I think that it takes a little bit right now, we're mainly talking to people that have a gut reaction that believe that this is going to impact their business. And I think that that willingness to take the risk is going to pay off in the long term. Um, and the willingness to be, um, you know, an early adopter to a new strategy. I think this is one that you can you can count on. And uh, you just kind of have to be willing to understand that, like, as long as you set, like, maybe you don't have a benchmark for your metrics right now, but if you start doing something and you start measuring it as soon as you're doing it, and then you see whether or not those metrics change, I think it's worth the risk. Awesome. Well, Kristen, thank you so, so much for coming on the podcast. This was awesome. And it was a real pleasure having you on the show today. Thanks for having me, Edward. That was Kristen Bryant on the Brand Affinity Marketing Playbook and how to build a brand that people love. Now, you can find Kristen on Twitter at underscore Kristen Bryant underscore, and you'll find the links to all the discussed resources in our show notes. As ever, if you have any thoughts or feedback, then you're always welcome to reach out to me on Twitter at Nordic Edward or connect on LinkedIn. So thank you so much for listening to the Growth Hub podcast brought to you by growth marketing agency Advance B2B. This is your host, Edward Ford, signing off and make sure you check out advancedb2b.com for more content and resources on everything B2B SaaS growth. It's our job to tell better stories. And always remember, it's the risk takers that are rewarded. People are sick and tired of being marketed to, and they're sick and tired of being sold. The single biggest story today in sales and marketing is how our customers